welcome to a novel evening. I'm Danny. Uh, you can find me over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books. And of course, this is the podcast where I chat with fellow book lovers, bookstagrammers, and authors about their novel evening. And I am super excited because this week I am welcoming an author of one of my favourite reads during the pandemic, um, a book that I gave five stars. I fell in love with I absolutely adored uh, and that was last one at the party uh, by Bethany Clift um, and it is if you've not read it um, it really it's a very darkly comedic take on a pandemic it's not coronavirus but <laughs> of, of a pandemic that that sweeps through uh, the United Kingdom it's very emotional as I say it's quite darkly funny um, it gives me kind of 28 Days Later vibes. Um, if Killy Murphy had been kind of like a sassy female narrator. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I am so excited to get to chat to Bethany all about it. So let's check out her novel evening. So a huge hello to Beth. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm good, but I just, I cannot get over the difference between this week's weather and last week's weather, which is going to make no sense, obviously, because this is not going to go out today. <laughs> but just for context, last week was incredibly warm and today it's snowing, so. Yeah, last week yeah. was like spring was finally coming, it was warm, yeah. and yeah, now we have snow in the start one of, of my friends. One of my friends made a great joke about how, like, now our summer is over and we're back into winter again. And I was like, don't even joke about it because, you know, we can't 100% say that's not true. So. Yeah, we can't joke in this country about weather. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do a it a lot. I think we do it a lot to offset the pain. I feel it's like, you know, when people ask why there's quite a lot of levity in my novel, it's because to offset the pain. And that's why we talk about the weather and joke about it a lot. Yeah. Because obviously we're offsetting the pain. <laughs> yeah. And being British, we don't really get seasons, do we? So. No. We, we see from the kind of like the drizzly season into the full on rainy season into the like shower season and then out. To sudden heat wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I see all the pictures of like New Zealand or America and they've got proper clear defined seasons and like actual summers. Yes. I can remember, I can remember when I was in America, like literally waking up at the beginning of October and waking up one day and it was beautifully sunny and lovely. And then the next day the temperature dropped and it snowed and that was it. There was just snow for like two months and I just couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over the fact there was no slush and that no. it was just like pure lovely snow and like I would be out there every day like very happy and all my American friends were like what are you doing and I was like it's still here yeah I lived in Canada when I was a teenager and we lived there over winter and it was very much like you woke up and I was like snow like actual snow and all the Canadians are like yeah <laughs> and then after like six months you're like oh god snow <laughs> yeah where is the rain? I need it. Yeah, uh, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you very meant like briefly mentioned then about the levity in your stories, which I think takes us neatly into oh, yeah. <laughs> obviously the reason we're here, the reason we're chatting, which is last one at the party, uh, which I loved. I absolutely adored it, and I read it right at the height of like lockdown pandemic time. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did, and. I remember posting stories and saying to people like, I'm going to read this and this is either going to be like the best <laughs> thing I've ever done 
or the worst (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of between the two (laughs) I do you know what it was really nice to read a pandemic story that had humor in it right because there is humor in it it's very dark humor (laughs) (laughs) it is very very dark humor I think like anybody I know that there have been British Jones comparisons, but I also know that there have people have been like, what the actual, this is not Bridget Jones. No, I would There not. are no big knickers. <laughs> no, I said to my husband, I, I told him about it. And I was like, this to me is like 28 days later, if you had a really sassy, darkly funny heroine instead of Killian Murphy running around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, but I think we'd all prefer Killian Murphy running around. <laughs> That's the first place I'm going if there's actually a, you know, apocalypse. Yeah, Did you know it was going to be funny when you wrote it? I, I, I feel I didn't really, I don't think, I'd love to say I'm the sort of author that sits down and, and knows exactly how their character's going to be and how, exactly how their story's going to turn out. I have a vague plan and I write a synopsis and I kind of, I tend to, I think I come from a background in television and film and I like to think that every story, every character within a story should have their own Mm storyline. So it's no, there's no, um, (laughs) it's no spoilers to say there's a dog. The only other main character in this story is a dog and the dog has I just won an award for the dog, which is amazing. They saw you <laughs> won an award for the dog. I bet that was like the highlight. <laughs> I was like, yep, here we go. This is my award. You can keep your costas and your women's prize. I've got yeah, I've got the best dog. And she and 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 he is a lovely dog. He is a lovely dog. Um, but even the dog has his own character arc because I like to start with my characters and I know where they are at the beginning kind of what their flaw is or what their need is or what what there is that's kind of missing in their life or they have too much of in their life and then I like to know exactly where it is that they're going to be at the end and I might not know physically where they're going to be but I like to think I know emotionally where they're going to be and sometimes that's all I'll have when I start a story so I don't really necessarily know what the steps are going to be to get there I don't know what the content's going to be um but with last one at the party I think it's it's a very British, I always say, I think it's a very British book. And I'm really surprised that it's actually translated so well. You know, I've, I've, I've got deals in 11 other countries and then it's obviously in the common, Commonwealth as well. And it's done really well in New Zealand and Australia and places. And I think it's not just very British because it's very much set in our landscape. And people say to me, oh my God, I have been to the Asda. <laughs> I have been there, I have been here. it's set in the real world I I, I had someone who emailed me and they seemed to go outdoors I won't say any more because like and they were like I'm never going to go outdoors again I'm like okay I'm sorry (laughs) oh go outdoors yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the but the the humor is very British in it and as exactly as we were talking about how we laughed at the rain I think you know our British sense of humor is we have this excellent way and you know I'm not saying it's not unique to us but because we have irony we have just such a a British way of being able to look at a situation and say okay this is a bit shit but you know like (laughs) earlier on I saw a dog slip on a banana skin and that was absolutely you know that sort of that sort of way of kind of even in our darkest hours I feel we have a need sometimes to inject a tiny bit of levity into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel the humour comes from the, from the character that she is, 
because that is who she is but also from the fact that it is just so British and it's such a you know obviously her her reaction to the situation is very unique to her but I feel it's a very British reaction as well it's a very kind of this is how we as a nation kind of react to things in you know in a sense of denial and then perhaps a little bit of a hedonism and then we're kind of like okay finally yeah this is how it's going to be yeah you know and you only have to look at things that are happening at the moment like the ridiculous hike in electricity prices in our like gas and electric bills and like you know and and the kind of reaction there is on twitter and social media to the it memes and it's you know, that are going around yeah absolutely it. It's we half, make <laughs> yeah it is it's half like awful stories of like complete like you know people really struggling which you know absolutely tear at your heartstrings and then in the next as you say in the next kind of like post it's going to be a meme about it and you're like oh god I don't want to laugh but I'm going to laugh and, I, and that's what a lot of people do say about the novel as well is within the same page they have laughed and cried which is great I mean I'm sorry that makes me sound like a psychopath no it's, it's a big emotional <laughs> story stop. yeah it is real like highs and lows in the story and there were moments that were really sad and again I don't want to give away spoilers but there was a moment in it that I was really sad but also was was laughing because it was so absurd and ridiculous but I love that I love the conflicting emotions you feel (laughs) yes and I feel and again I feel that is kind of you know a very uniquely kind of that's a human reaction isn't it that you they, there are these situations whereby it's so terrible it's like and I I mean this in the really nicest possible way but when your kid falls over <laughs> hilariously into a puddle or something like when Tilly was young I swear to god I turned around to, to get something out of her buggy and I turned back and she'd fallen face first into the biggest muddiest puddle and it was like something out of some kind of British comedy because she turned around to me and she was dripping like some kind of like horrific monster baby she's only about two years old and she was obviously like very distraught and I I just I held it together because I love her dearly but inside I was just wetting myself because it just looked like you know when you have to go and be a mum but also you're like this is actually really really funny (laughs) if I'd had a TikTok account I would have been so (laughs) tempted to just quickly like take a video which makes me sound like a terrible mother and I'm sometimes a terrible mother no but it was but it's that sort of situation isn't it where it's awful but at the same time your human reaction is oh my god that's hilarious I'm always like are you hurt if you're not hurt it's okay to laugh (laughs) yes absolutely do we need to go to A&E or can mummy just crack up for one moment is that okay (laughs) I'm really curious did you start the book did the idea come to you before any of the pandemic stuff happened Yes, yes. So I, the idea came to me in about 2018. I'd been, so I'd been skirting around, I I, I started out writing, this is my first novel, I started out doing TV and film, and I, when, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan, and when I heard that The Walking Dead was um, branching out, many, this is, God, about six or seven years ago now, um, and they were having a new kind of like alternative series. I wrote a spec script for for them to kind of like see if I'd get any work, and then obviously just put it in my drawer and hope that someone come out and knock on my door and say hello. I think you've got a spec script for Walking Dead. But I wrote a, I wrote a script and I a script about a woman who's lived in who had lived in the forest with her dog since mm-hmm. the outbreak, since the first um, Walker outbreak, and then she's been there for three years, and then she encounters someone in the forest for the first time, and it's about 
what her reaction is, what their reaction is, what the dog, you know. So it was like a 15 minute kind of like short film about being on your own and then seeing someone for the first time. Right. And and I put that away and I didn't think about it. And then I was coming back from a conference that I'd been at in Oxford. It was really late and I was driving. I had, I was so tired. It, I'd like got no kind of juice on my phone. I've got no signal. I just got, I got lost. And I was lost in the middle of the Oxford countryside and I couldn't see any signs, I couldn't see any houses, I couldn't see any kind of any kind of human life or any kind of life apart from me. And I pulled the car over and I got out the car and I was like, I'm just gonna have a massive panic attack. So I'm so tired and I don't know what to do. I just want to go home and it's really cold. Um and I couldn't hear anything either. All I could hear was like the cows chewing in the field really loudly. And I was oh. like, just shut up, I'm trying <laughs> to get home. And then I suddenly thought, shit, what 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 if this is it? What if there is no one else because they've all disappeared and then I thought what if there is no one else because they've all disappeared Mm. and that was it and then I went home and a couple of days later I wrote the first line of the novel and that's never changed wow and that's what I wanted to stick to and I had some advice kind of like in an early draft that said she's such a great character it'd be really great if she met someone else and they kind of like played off each other and it's kind of an odd couple thing blah 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 but I'd always wanted to do something where after she speaks to the last person that she speaks to in the pandemic she never physically speaks to another human being throughout the entire novel and I stuck to that and that was kind of almost like my one rule is that I could do anything and she could go anywhere and she could do anything and in some cases she does stuff which people have told me (laughs) is not very likely (laughs) but you know it's fiction but I didn't want to change that I didn't want to have her speak to anybody after that moment so yeah that was my one kind of rule to myself when I was writing it wow and how did you feel when life started to imitate art a little bit especially build up to you releasing it (laughs) so yeah so so basically I so I got my deal in my publication deal with Hodder in uh, October 2019 Um, and I Previous to being a full-time writer, I worked for the NHS. And in January 2020, I uh, stopped working for the NHS to write full-time because I had edits to do, obviously, on on the novel once they brought it. Um, And then I was kind of just, I I kind of had a couple of weeks off and I was just starting my edits. And my sister, bless her, sent me a tiny clipping from Metro, the Metro newspaper. And it's, you know, they have those sidebars that are like literally three or four lines and they're really small. So they're about 25 words. And it was um, it was something about mysterious respiratory virus in China kills three. And she sent me a photo of it and said, jokingly, oh, I hope that your book's not coming true. And I was like, of course it's not coming true. And then, like, I think it was about three weeks later, we were locked down and I was like, oh, my God, I'm editing a book about a pandemic during a pandemic and then as things just stretched on and on I was releasing a book about a pandemic and we were locked down still because we came out of lockdown in the summer and then we went back into lockdown when when the book was released so it 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 was one of those weird things where I felt very guilty as well because obviously having worked for the NHS like every single one of my my old workmates were were just the onslaught was ridiculous and the amount of work and just how horrific it was for them no matter what part of the NHS you were working in whether you were on the front line or whether you were in an office or or whatever you were doing it was just you know there was no kind of 
there was no there's no stopping for them and they've worked throughout the entire pandemic and they've worked just so incredibly hard that it felt yeah it felt I felt very strange not to be part of that and at the same time to be you know writing things about piles of bodies and things like that so yeah it was it was a very strange very very it was a strange time for all of us but it was an incredibly strange time for that to happen and just you couldn't write it you know I, I could no. not have written and yet somehow there we were <laughs> there we go it must have been so surreal it must have been it so was. surreal and the really weird thing was that a lot of the things in the book so in the book once the pandemic happens everybody kind of obviously social distances and they cover their mouths and they you know kind of like put on kind of whatever they can like to try and you know, face masks or kind of fashion kind of like biohazard suits out of plastic bags because they're not sure how the virus, because the virus happens so quickly, they don't know how the virus is actually kind of passed from one person to another. Um, But I'd written all of that before the pandemic. So I'd written about how people would social distance, call it social distancing, I just said people stayed like three to five metres apart. I said about how they'd cover their faces, about how they'd wear gloves. And things like that and then it all started coming true and I was like this is really weird and also people are going to think I've just copied it but so I did I, I wondered <laughs> yeah I was like was this written during is some of was some of this changed was it inspired so it's it so- was changed so yeah. I did I did obviously there were absolutely there were no in in my first draft or the draft that Hodder bought initially there were no references to COVID-19 because it didn't exist yes but yeah. I had I had quite a long discussion with my editor about whether or not we needed to include it. And my bottom line was that I, the film, the film, the book is realistic. And it's set, you know, she's a very realistic character. What she goes through is very realistic. I want everybody to believe that this could happen. And if I hadn't mentioned COVID-19, it would have been set in a parallel universe. And it's not set in a parallel universe. It's kind of, you know, it's set, it's set in the here and now. So, so we had to mention it. But we also did have quite a bit of discussion because I I had a bit of a wobble and I wanted to cut out some of the more extreme elements at the beginning. Right. Um, and my editor was like, no, if you're going to do it, just do it. Don't like, you know, you can't kind of shy away from it now because, again, that's not realistically how it would be if you were trying to get rid of three, four million bodies. You know, it's it, yeah. you're going to you're going to struggle. So. So she was like, you know, you just got to have the kind of the balls to do it, really. And I was like, OK. Oh, <laughs> you know, I really liked that it was it was shocking and it was yes. realistic. It didn't feel like like you said, it didn't feel like it's some parallel universe. And I agree that if you try to tone down, you know, your readers aren't silly. So if you try and no. tone it down too much. Yes. They know what yes. you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, although really very interestingly, so I, so before Last One the Party came out, people would say to me, you know, what genre is it? And I would say, well, it's kind of like a feminist post-apocalypse, you know, it's kind of, it's dark, but it's funny, but it's very feminist, but it's very kind of, you know, it's kind of like a journey. It's And then, and then when it came out, people were reviewing it and kind of were saying it's horror. And I was like, oh, I don't think, no, it's not, no, there's no, no, it's definitely, there's not any, there's not any horror in it. And then, and then strangely, at the beginning of this year, I, I took part in a pigeonhole book club, online book club, and I read it for the first time in, whew, 18, 19 months. It's been the year, and it's been a long time, been working obviously on my next book, and I just haven't read it again, because I've read it 5,000 times already, why would I bother? And reading it again now, I was like, oh my God, 
like this is really dark I couldn't believe like there were some parts where I was like and people were like oh my god this is really dark this is really terrible and I was thinking oh god they're not even halfway through the really dark horrible bits yet and and it was really eye-opening and I was like I thought god yeah I can understand why people are saying there are horror elements to this because the it's it's horrific. <laughs> Sometimes How do real I like this. Yeah, real life is more you know more scary than you know writing monsters and you know boogeyman. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? And it's that you know the I, I feel for me loneliness is is just one of the most horrific things that you can face. And I think a lot of us are more far more aware of that now, having lived through the last two Clearly. years are far more aware of how important our relationships are to us and how important it is to have those people who make your life better close to you and I feel like for a lot of people probably I think the ones who make your life better are now closer and the ones who when you look at it you're not quite sure what they added to your life or how either of you really supported each other and probably the friendships that we found have just kind of fizzled out a little bit more very deep but yeah very deep I completely agree and you gave a little hint then that you're working on something else what can you tell me about what you're working on uh so I can't tell you about anything what I'm working on now because that's book three Um, but book two is out on August the 4th and it's called Love and Other Human Errors and it's about it's about love it's a romance novel but it's not it's not just about love romantic love it's about love between it's about love between human beings and about how different our love for each other is, I would say. It's, it's, oh. it's, but, but I wanted to write about love. And I said to my agent, she said, oh, what do you want to do for book two? And I said, I want to write about love. And she said, that's great, but that's not a story. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> good point. <laughs> well made. And so it's about, um, it's about a woman called Indiana Dillon. And she is a, um, she's an engineer, a computer engineer. She creates physical and computer software um and she has a passion project that she's working on that she needs money for and in order to get the money for her passion project project she sells an old app that she created which basically uses uh, classical and quantum computing to help find the user their soulmate and the idea is that it finds their soulmate whatever happens in their life so it finds your soulmate who will be your soulmate no matter what so you know if you if you use lose a leg or you change career or you want to go and live in another country this person is your person um and basically she she has never been in love and in order to actually sell the app to this multinational company she has to demonstrate it and it's about how she learns to form those human connections and whether or not she finds her soulmate herself so there you go. <laughs> I am so really intrigued. I am so thank intrigued. You. I am going to be picking uh, that up. Yeah, well, it's 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 feisty feminine women again. Don't think like you know. I said to someone the other day at at, at one point, someone puts a baby on a doorstep. So don't think it's like it's not. You've not gone all nice... the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not kind of like gonna. It's not a. <laughs> a really lovely kind of romance set in a seaside town it's still yeah it's still kind of quite got quite spiky characters but they're lovely characters and I feel yeah it's and and, and as I described to someone else the other day there's more dialogue and less death 
I'm not saying there's no death. There's a little sprinkling of death in that. I am very excited to. Uh, there's also a dog. There's another dog. I had to put a dog in. So you yeah, need to get that award yeah. a second year in a row. So well, you know, I am hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> you need the dog. So obviously, you've come to join me for your novel evening. Yes, I'm going to be have. the hostess for for the evening. I am really excited. Um, I say some people I come on and I can kind of guess what's going to happen. I have no <laughs> idea who you're gonna who you're gonna suggest. So, firstly, I'd like to know where are we going? So we are going to we're going to a Greek island called uh, Paxos. So when I was younger, when I when I first left university, everybody said to me, leaving university is um, is really hard because one minute you're at university and you know what you're doing with your life and you're quite quite comfy. You might have a part time job, but, you know, it's all kind of fun and games. And then all of a sudden you're out and you've got to go and get a job and it, it can be really jarring. Um, so I decided the easiest thing to do was just continue the holiday by going off traveling. <laughs> Perfect. So. so so my friend Will and I, we decided that we would go off to Greece and we would travel around Greece for kind of like six, seven weeks. And and that would be it. And through a, a, a comedy of errors that I don't want to go into right now, but are absolutely hilarious. We basically ran out of money after two days of being in Athens. It involves, the story involves a missed flight, some souvenirs and a whorehouse. So... If we ever meet in real life off of here, I will tell you that. Wow, I'm going to make sure that we meet in real life off of here now because those are three but words. Yeah, it's, that... quite, it's quite the tale. But um, but yeah, and so we were kind of like, right, okay, we can either go home with our tail between our legs or we can stay and we can work. So what we did instead was we just, we travelled around the islands as we were going to, but we picked up jobs here and there. And one of the places we went to was was the Greek, was this Greek island platform. And it just had, we, we stayed in the most incredible little beachside town and it had this beach that there was just so little light pollution that I used to lie on the beach at night with the stars out and think, if I'm ever going to be abducted by aliens, it's going to happen now because I feel like I'm on an alien planet anyway because I'd just never seen the stars in this way. It, was, it wasn't even like you could almost individualise. The, there were so many of them. And it was just such a blanket that it was just, yeah, it, it was just mind blowing. And after a while, it becomes almost like unbearable because you, you, you know, in the kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type way, you realise your complete insignificance in the universe. You know, you're, you're just this tiny little grain of sand on a planet that's a grain of sand in yeah. a beach, which is a beach within a trillion other beats yeah it's just it was just incredible so I would want to have my dinner party there and we would have a big fire and we would cook on the fire and then we would just lie on our backs and we would talk about the universe and everything within it and our place within it and how insignificant but important we all are I love it I absolutely love it so have you got a few people coming I'm guessing I've got a few people coming. I've got a few people coming. Okay. So first off, I have to invite Joe Helman, who is the author of my favourite ever book and the book that changed my life, the one that my dad gave me. That I'm. Oh, it's, it's funny because it's in my book, and last night the party is dedicated to my mum and dad. And in the dedication, I say that my dad gave me the book that changed my life. 
And one of the first things people, when, I, when I've done, I've only done a couple of events, but whenever I've done an event, one of the first things people always say to me is, what's the book that changed your life? And I'm always like, how do you know there's a book? That, and then I'm like, oh yeah, because I don't know what book it is. <laughs> and like, looking back, I should probably have put in brackets, it's The Forever War by Joe Helman. Um, so I read The Forever War when I was 17. And again, there's a whole story as to why I wrote it. I read it, but I won't go into that now. Um, and it was the first sci-fi book that I'd ever read. And I didn't think I liked sci-fi before that. And it turned out that I loved sci-fi. And it just, it changed my life because it changed what I read. It changed who my friends were. It changed the films I watched. It changed the entire course and direction of my life. Because I think it was the first time that I thought to myself, I really want to write like this. I really want to write these huge ideas and these different worlds and these places where your imagination can just go wild and yeah so and I I yeah I he's he's just such a nice man as well my dad it's my dad's favorite book and when it was my dad's 60th birthday I emailed him and said oh you know will you sign a copy and he was like yeah yeah and I sent it over to him and he didn't even cash the check to send it back and he just wrote such a lovely note in there for my dad and it just they said never meet your heroes but he's just been yeah he's he just I just think he's a he's a hero that I absolutely would love to meet in my lifetime if I get the chance I just I have so many questions for it and if you're gonna do it you might as well do it on the Isle of Paxos yes absolutely absolutely it's like it's the place where yeah it's the place where you should go that's where you should be going okay so he has arrived on the island who is he's arrived and he can he can come over with Stephen King. They could he's in America, oh. Stephen King's in America. Obviously they're probably on other sides of America, but that's fine. I I have to invite Stephen King. Again, he's like I just yeah, as a master of what you do and to continually do it. I mean, having, you know, I mean I've written two books now and I'm starting on my third and I'm like, God, you know, sometimes your brain, because your brain never stops, you're constantly like literally this oh the ice cream van's here I don't know whether you can hear the ice cream van oh I just called it (laughs) I'm just gonna pop out oh no (laughs) Um, let's pause a moment yeah um but yeah the kind of idea that he can write essentially I guess what is about a novel of a year for I mean my god what 40 odd years now I just yeah it's wild isn't it he's just and he never it's funny I was discussing this with someone the other day and they were saying that they read they're starting to read the entire back catalogue of Stephen King from the very beginning and each one is like you know just it it, you know the overall there's always something in it that is mastery there's always a character or a kind of you know a place or a situation or you always find some way to draw you in as a reader I've never not finished a Stephen King novel I've had ones that I've loved and ones that I've not loved as much but I've I've never not finished one because I think he just has this ability to pull you forward in his story and some of them like you know the dark tower is a bloody huge I mean like really long yeah yeah humongous so you're going to bring him on with your you know you've got your two favorite authors I feel like using this as an opportunity for some for some chats and some questions I am I am and then I'm going to bring on my other one I'm going to bring Jilly Cooper. I know that oh. everybody always, I feel like everybody always does highbrow kind of like old kind of, you know, Agatha Christie, Evelyn War type things. And I'm, but I mean, again, Jilly Cooper is just such, she's such a brilliant writer. She's such, 
if I could write like anyone, I would write like Ginny Cooper. I feel like, so Rivals is in my top five ever book. Wow. It's just, I just, I love it. I love her characterization. I love kind of, you know, I mean, and obviously nowadays things don't read quite the same, but even so, you can't, you know, some people are good people and some people are bad people. And that's just the way life is and nothing's ever going to change that. And, you know, I I just feel like she writes her kind of, her male characters and her female characters so well. And she just interplays them in such a, such a playful and lovely way, you know, they just, and there's, you know, especially I love all her, all her kind of, I'm holding my fingers up, her B characters who just, again, have their own stories and their own beginnings and endings and character arcs. There's there's no one who's left out in a Ginny Cooper novel. There's no character who is just there as fodder. She doesn't have anyone who is just propping up her other characters, you know, and her dogs. She writes great dogs. And I love the cast list at the beginning. And she's I, everything I've read and every interview that I've read with her as well tells me that I would absolutely love her if I met in real life. I think she's read be all her fun. stuff. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I feel like, and that's what, you know, we need in life. I want people who are fun. I want people who are kind of, you know, I don't know that she still does, but I've heard that she used to wake up and have a glass of champagne every morning. But, you know, she and she's, and she's really groundbreaking as well. And you yeah. read things about how she used to, like, you know, how she came about doing her job and how she was a secretary and then she started writing. And do you know what I mean? She's really pushed herself and she's really kind of like come up at a time when it was all kind of like male authors this and male writers that. Yeah. And she kind of didn't allow that. And she just pushed herself forward. And I think she's a brilliant feminist. I think she's a brilliant writer. And I think she'd be a bloody good time. So I'd have Ginny as well. I am agreeing with all of this. I think she is also, she's completely unashamedly just herself. Yes, yes. And I, yes. And we all should wish to be like that. And I feel it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I feel it's, I think it's going to be really interesting going forward from this point onwards with the new wave of female writers that are coming up simply because I feel in the same way that Hollywood is not, you know, is not kind of, is part of this whole kind of anti-aging, there's really interesting stuff going, Jamie Lee Curtis has done some really interesting quotes on how terrible anti-aging is as a kind of phrase and as a word. But I wonder, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how much female writers are afflicted by the Hollywoodization, which is not a word, but I'm going to use it anyway, of women these days so how much do we feel the need to present an image to the external world in order to help our book sales and that's yeah and that's kind of yeah and I do feel like having you know having come from being someone who had like three followers on Twitter and now I've got more followers on Twitter and I've got an Instagram account I, I I do think about things like that. I do think about what my hair looks like yeah. <laughs> the way that I never did before. And I'm not like one of the, I'm holding my fingers up again, one of the big writers. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of the big female writers aren't on social media. And I wonder if that's a, that's part you know, of it. if that's, yeah, whether or not that's something on, they've done on purpose because I feel it is, you know, you can't help but feel, yeah, anyway. 
So Ginny, she but Ginny, Ginny Cooper never, do you know what I mean? She's she never has. She's just who she is, and I love that. I I completely agree. And I would be very intrigued to see how she would <laughs> how she would interact with, with your other authors yes. coming. Be You're gonna be even more intrigued to see how she would interact with my last guest. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Who is your last guest? So this is obviously our like my fantasy dinner party and what happens at the dinner party stays at the dinner party and I'm thinking there's no consequences. (laughs) I think that's fair, yeah. So I'm going to invite Hunter S. Thompson because A, I I feel like, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking and you're right, it's the drugs, but it's not just the drugs. I feel like, I feel like that sort of writer doesn't really exist anymore for obvious reasons. Um, I feel like he has such a kind of like breadth of knowledge and such a kind of wit and such a kind of view on life that we because it's so extreme we just don't get anymore and we wouldn't get anymore for obvious reasons and I just think it would, he would, you know, he, he'd either sit in the corner with his gun and not say anything, it would be really awkward. <laughs> or he would come along with a great big bag of drugs and we'd all be like, not sure about that, Hunter. And he'd be like, come on, just half of what I'm having. I'd be like, no, an eighth of what you're having, but let's see. Yeah, I just feel it would, <laughs> I think it would, it, as, as, as an evening and an experience, if there are no consequences and I can come back to my children the next day (laughs) as I left them yeah who wouldn't want to who wouldn't want to see what it was like who wouldn't want to sit and chat to him who wouldn't want to hear his stories my god I think he'd blow your mind and you said you wanted to you know lie on the beach and look at the stars and think about the big questions Uh, all of the drugs absolutely (laughs) and absolutely he would yeah (laughs) you'll be able to tackle those huge questions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> obviously at a certain point I would lose the ability to talk and that would probably hamper the kind of dinner party conversation Do you know, like you point, say that you don't get these it is like rock star authors who were just yes. so outlandish and yes. wild and you know like you say if there's no consequences the stories he could tell you would be absolutely wild yes absolutely and I do yeah and I think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, isn't it? Kind of like, you know, you get these opportunities to meet these people. And I feel like, you know, he'd be able to very much give one perspective and then Ginny would very much be able to give like her stories as well, I should imagine. She's got some very different, but also like incredibly interesting and worthwhile stories to to, to, to say about and I it, I was talking to someone the other day I was talking about coming on and they were saying oh you know can you invite anyone and I said oh no no it's got to be kind of like authors and you know but they can be alive or dead and I was saying the one thing that I really really regret in my life is that my grandparents my grandparents um, were alive until I was in my early 20s and we did used to sit around at the dinner table like on a Sunday after roast and we chat about things and we chat about you know their lives and sometimes they kind of like if they're in the right mood and they've had my nan had had a Bacardi breather they tell these incredible stories about when they were young and the war and things like that but I never sat them down and interrogated them and said you know god what was it like and I feel there's this whole generation of stories 
and people who lived in a way that we will never live. I, well, we will never live like that again because next Third World War will not be but like that. Yeah. And I just, I did not, I did not realise the value of them and their lives until they were gone. I mean, I loved them, obviously, but I didn't realise kind of, you know, what a kind of well of stories and well of kind of like experience they really were. And I, I, I and that, that's, I think that's quite a big regret. As you get older, you realise kind of, you know, these yeah. people who've been in your life and you've missed this opportunity to really talk to them about what their lives were like. There was a campaign recently, I think, that was about sort of dignity and age. And it was pictures of elderly people looking in the mirror and then looking back at them was like their younger selves. And I think they had someone yes. in army uniform and someone in sort of a ballet costume. And it's true. You know, I think all these stories that will be lost with time that if people just sit and listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I do. And I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, you know, our grandkids will probably look at us and because obviously the generational gap I think is getting wider and wider as we you know as we evolve as humanity evolves and you know when I think about like when I first started using a mobile phone what that was and I can remember when you used to have a word a letter limit on text yeah and if I was really numbers just so you could send like are you meeting me (laughs) and I used to be like you know and I'd be sending an angry text I'd have to break off and send that text and then wait for my phone to kind of get back to it. And then I'd send another angry text. And it'd just be like, what are you doing? But yeah, they will never understand the pain of using your no. number 3310 to try and text someone you liked in or, like so many or, characters. Even even worse, having to ring your crush's house to speak to them and yeah. like their mum or dad could answer. And even if their mum and dad didn't answer, if they answered and you were like, yeah, and then if you were having your deep phone call and then the broadband kicked in and the dial-up was like <laughs> over the top. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, when you when we think about it like that, look back on it, fun times. It was. So, yeah, My absolutely. children will never understand the pain of LimeWire <laughs> and trying to download five songs to put on your MP3 player. And yeah, absolutely. And I used to sit there and it was uh, Gary Gary Crowley on um, and London Radio, I think it was. He used to do a kind of indie show on a Sunday night. I used to sit there with my tape, kind of like, record, <laughs> record. <laughs> and not get the speaking, pause it. No. <laughs> oh, I love it. So we've got our gang of authors. We're at the beach in Paxos. Is there anybody you really don't want to show up to this evening? I'm going to be a very, um, I'm going to generalise in a way that I hope doesn't piss everybody off terribly. <laughs> But I am going to say, I don't want anyone there. Who, I don't want any critics there who don't write about what they love, which okay. I'm going to clarify this. So, so I, all art is incredibly subjective. I mean, I have whole genres of books that I just dismiss without even having read them because I've read a couple of them and I'm sure I, and I don't like them. And I'm like, I, I should probably read more, but time is limited, blah, blah, blah. And I and yet they are genres that sell billions and like have, you know, fans worldwide. And I know that they're not bad. They're just not for me. Yeah. And I, as someone who has written a book, uh, well, written two now, I'm anyone who writes a book, and I'm like, I'm totally bigging myself up here, but I mean this to like big everybody else up. So please just ignore the fact that I've also done this. But anybody who writes a book, anybody who writes 100,000 words, even if like it's absolute 
gobbledygook or it's not kind of doesn't make any sense if you sit down and you write 100 words that is just such a phenomenal thing to do but to then write 100 words and to get it into a place whereby you are going to let other people read it, it it just it blows my mind it blows my mind that people do this time and time again I mean as I say I've done it twice but like there are people that do it again and again and again and they 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 just keep doing it and it's such a a feat that I find now that even if if I read a book I mean I get sent a lot of books but if I read a book and I don't I don't get on with it I would never dream of telling other people that I don't get on with it because a it's incredibly subjective what's not my cup of tea might be somebody else's like glass of champagne you know it could be and I don't have the right to stop them from finding that out themselves um, but B, and I feel this is kind of, you know, and this is the most important thing as well. I just don't feel that I didn't write that and I don't know the pain and I don't know the process and I don't know how hard it was for that person to write it. So I, I just can't judge them for it anymore. Yeah. And I feel like when I read even blogs, I mean, I've had some terrible blogs about last one of the party books, so, you know, all, all, all publicity is good publicity to a certain extent. I've got more mileage out of the one that called it Bridget Jones in the Apocalypse than I have in anything, I think, you know, it's like, great. But I do feel like there's nothing I love more than when I read someone's review and you can just tell that they absolutely love it and they just, that pouring of emotion onto the page and that connection that they have with that book is so incredible. And then I've read reviews where they haven't loved it, but they've seen the parts of it that other people can love. And they've seen, you know, they've done a kind of positive negative review almost. So it's almost a kind of like, you know, this wasn't necessarily this part for me, but you know, this, this is incredible. And they've done this and they've done that and they've done the other. And, and again, that's fine. But, but reviews and critic critiques, when they just, out of hand reject something when it's just now I think start to well it just really affects me because I kind of feel like and in some cases as well if it's a you know it's such a cutthroat industry like everything else you know it's, it's an industry it's a business and if you you know it's almost like I guess with pop bands in that you know pop bands used to release a couple of albums and they'd work their way up and then you know kind of like album three would be the big one and but yeah. now you're expected to come out of the gate and you've got to kind of like establish yourself there and then this straight is straight away yeah yeah absolutely and that's how it is with writers as well and it's it, it's incredible when you think about it isn't it that people who have never published a book will put a book out there and it will be judged along with people who are putting books out there for like six the sixth or seventh book you know yeah and I just feel like everybody deserves this chance to grow as a writer and and I just, I just think, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I really, I feel quite strongly about now, is that you, it, you just, you know, you, there is a way to kind of review and there is a way to critique. So and I write, you, I, I, well, I write. So I'm going to do the air quotations, but I would like <laughs> to write a book, and I have written, written a draft of a novel, and I think you don't realise how much like of your heart you put on the page and I think it's made me more aware so I try to always you know even if I read a book and I was like what have I just read I'll always try and bolster it with a positive like you know this book isn't really for me it's not my yes. cup of tea I didn't enjoy XYZ however 
if you yeah. like this or if you're a fan of this and it's the same with films isn't it you know I don't love every yeah. film I've ever watched and I'll sit with a friend watch a film and they'll be like that was incredible and I'm like did we watch the same thing did we yes <laughs> it's interesting it's really interesting isn't it and that's really interesting actually because obviously that's what you do with films but you don't do that with books no so you feel like when you've read a book and you haven't enjoyed it or you have enjoyed it you feel like that's the opinion that everybody else is going to have because there's no one sitting next to you going yeah I've just finished that I thought that was absolutely appalling and you're like oh my god it's the best book I've ever read you know so yeah so yeah so it is it is that thing but as I say I feel that there are in fact I know there are some people who's you know and and obviously we don't we don't have author clubs but we do speak <laughs> quite a lot author, like as authors and there are some how do I get into that how do I get into the author club <laughs> no I mean it'd be great if we did but um but there are some kind of like reviewers on Amazon that people say you know will always try and be the first person to post a review about a novel and yeah. nine times out of ten that will be a three star or less and then obviously if you've only got three, you know, you've only got yeah. three reviews and one of them is a two star or a three star or one star, you, it drags, you know. Yeah. I feel, and people should be able to think what they like about like any kind of art. But then I think sometimes you should just keep it to yourselves. Because and also don't tag the author. author. <laughs> oh my God, I know, I know. Do not it's ever tag them. them. <laughs> I got one the other day that was absolutely like just made me laugh and basically it was um and I'd been tagged in it and basically it was like oh you know this is really really horrific really harrowing but really well written um I didn't really get on with the character by the end I could understand kind of like her journey um I was really worried about how it end, but I actually found the ending like just excellent and it really pulled the story together in a way that just like made me cry oh. and be hopeful at the same time two stars <laughs> Ah. Like, see I'm really I with my like, star okay. rating for me like a three isn't a bad review a three is like I liked it I'm not gonna Solid. shout about yeah. it I'm not gonna yeah, yeah. tell everyone to read it a four is like it's not my book of the year <laughs> yeah a four is like I really liked it but I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily reread it but a five yeah. star is like I love it I'm gonna tell people to read it I'm gonna buy it for friends yes. yeah like a two star is especially to tag you oh man just... I know but it was just the fact that the review was really nice and it was like kind of like yeah 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 this is great I like and you're like here, like, like here we go here we go yeah here we go here we go okay then it's like when you see people who get like they, they get um one star reviews and it's like the, the, the Amazon delivery man bent it and the pages were all <laughs> like one star review. I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm really sorry, Karen from Sunderland. <laughs> That's not actually my fault. <laughs> I will try harder next time to uh, make sure your Amazon delivery guy takes more care. <laughs> oh, if I ever, ever manage to sell a book, I'm just going to share all the one star reviews. That's I'm just going to post them all in my stories, especially if they're like, the pages were broken or my one was ripped. Yeah, I'm yeah, no, absolutely, no. And my favourite ones as well are the ones where they're kind of like, uh, you, where they kind of tell you how you should have written it. Like, <laughs> she knows nothing. If I was her, I would have done. I was like, oh, it's fiction. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's not real. <laughs> Nobody's asking you to go to go outdoors in the event sure, of the you, uh, you feel free. 
you feel free to uh, recreate the apocalypse in your own back garden <laughs> see what yeah. happens figure out how you want to do it so speaking <laughs> of books and deliveries I always ask everyone who comes on what they're currently reading do you have a current read I do you know I'm actually between reads I literally oh. finished something a couple of days ago and I am my TBR pile is like out of control, always out of control. I don't And judge. I'm so lucky because I get so sent so many proofs and I get really excited and I'm like, woo! And then I look at the pile of books next to my bed and I'm like, oh, because I'm very, <laughs> I can't read when I'm writing. Right. So if I'm, so if I'm drafting, if I'm like, so if I'm, so at the moment I'm, I'm pulling together my book three so I'm pulling together my ideas I spend a lot of time staring at the corner of the ceiling with my mouth open looking like I'm about to fall asleep and actually I'm very I am very deep in thought everyone I am not sleeping <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I walk the dog a lot and I come up with ideas about how I'm going to do it but once I actually start drafting which will take which does take about four months to do the first draft Right. I, I really can't read anything else because I get so worried about unconsciously yes. stealing things yeah. that I just I just can't and also if I read something that's absolutely incredible I'm like oh well fuck it I can't do that can you're I? like why so, am I doing this yeah just give up <laughs> I just um, read a book by a 17 year old writer and it's incredible oh, and I literally shut in I was like why am I even bothering <laughs> yeah yeah i am now yeah, old yeah. goodbye but don't worry because that's not normal so like, you know, most of us have to work really hard to get there um but yeah so i don't so i have whole stretches of my year where i cannot i just can't read anything new i'll read books that i've already read so i'll reread the forever war or i'll Oh, okay. reread a Jimmy Cooper or you know because I know that I've read them I know that I've internalized everything that's going on and I'm not going to suddenly find myself typing exactly the same situation into my yeah into my newest novel so so my TBR pile is always out of control but I've got so I think I've got about three weeks before I start drafting my next one in earnest so I'm oh, definitely so trying to a book in then yeah oh god I'm, I'm hoping to fit three or four in because I've got I'm, so Currently, I, my my on my TBR pile, my next three are The Shadow Glass by Josh Winning. It's a Ooh. new one that's out. Um, he's excellent. He's um, on Twitter. He's very funny. He's written for loads of magazines. He's it's like eighties, which I love, okay. kind of fantasy. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and then there is my next one. Hold on one second, because I don't want to get titles wrong. Because you know when you're just like, oh my God, if I get the title wrong, I'll feel terrible. Um, it's Okay Then That's Great by Susanna Wise. So she had The Fragile Earth came out last year, which is a kind of apocalypse one as well. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Uh, but it's excellent. And I would highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, and then this year she's got okay, then that's great. It's coming out in a few months. So mm. yes, I'm really excited by that. And then the other guest by Helen Cooper. So she had she's my hottest favorite mate. Um, she had the downstairs neighbor come out. It was out last year as well. It's just been out come out on paper, in paperback, which is a, just a really brilliant thriller. Um, like set in a suburban house, which is just excellent. So and um, and I've been reading reviews to the other guests and and people are just raving about it so I'm very excited for that one too so I've got so I reckon I'm gonna just binge them all so I think good. one a week yes and we should be we should be good so yes I'm very I've, I've got 
a little bit of reading to do and then you I can start have. writing my own one <laughs> you have well thank you thank you so much for sharing with me your, your oh thank you for having me it's reads. been so much fun I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you. Um, I want I'll to say, do my dinner party now. That's the problem, know, isn't it? Like, now I'm like, God, okay. Drugs with Hunter S. Thompson on Paxos <laughs> Island. Might be only bit, Go on, kids. A little bit difficult. <laughs> Off to school, kids. I'll be back in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy loves you. <laughs> I love it. That. I really love it. And I'm very excited for, for your next book. I shall absolutely be getting a copy. Oh, uh, lovely. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Yes, August the 4th. So August very 4th. exciting. I've got proofs going out. I think proofs are going out in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. So that's really exciting as well. That's always the point at which you're like, Ooh. oh my God, just bury my head in the ground and don't look at Twitter. I'll uh, I'll go sniffing around for a proof. I'll, uh, I'll go on the beg. I'm not too proud. I'll beg for books. I don't care. <laughs> and to I'll anyone who's I can not following you <laughs> I'd on like Instagram. I've got a huge amount of clout, but you know... <laughs> <laughs> you're like uh you're gonna have to do that for yourself sorry <laughs> well I'll see but I did I very stupidly was on Twitter and I was like oh um, my proofs will be out soon who wants one and it turned out quite a few people wanted one I thought I'd get kind of like my no, mate no, and no, then, no. Like, a couple of people I used to work with <laughs> I was like oh okay uh thanks everyone I'll see I'll see what I can do and like <laughs> my oh, publishing team were a bit like yeah okay well done <laughs> this isn't how this works <laughs> No, no. Yeah, who's going to be left to buy your book? That's our question. You've just given them all out for free. Well, I'm I'm super excited. And for anyone who hasn't read Last One at the Party, you you need to because it's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's dark. It is pretty horrific. <laughs> so if you like something that's dark, gruesome, funny, creepy, it's got all of it. It I love it, and I'm Thank very you. excited for book two. And also, you're Don't on read Instagram. It if you like seagulls. Don't read it if you like seagulls. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes seagulls, do they? No. Nobody likes a seagull. No. I had someone actually email me quite recently and say, I loved your book, but I didn't I didn't really believe that like the stuff with the seagulls would happen. And then she emailed me a few weeks later and was like, oh my God, I went to Brighton and they stole my bun. <laughs> They're evil, man. They're they absolutely are. I'm going to get someone now from like the Seagull Preservation Society. Like, <laughs> They're very misunderstood yeah. birds. And we're like... <laughs> they're not they're rats with wings I'm sorry yes. <laughs> they're evil but you are also on Instagram aren't you under I Beth am I'm Beth Wright stuff on Instagram and then I'm Beth underscore Clift at Twitter so but if you google Bethany Clift it will tell you all these things <laughs> go over give you a follow and thank you thank you so much this has been thank an absolute you. joy oh it really has thanks so much it's been great <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.